We are back with another episode of Bully Ball, episode four, technically episode two with the rebranding. I am Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez, coming from the Bay, who's actually at the game watching the 49ers, stop me if you've heard this one before, beat up on an LA team. Steph, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. A little tired, but I'm feeling great. A little cold, too. Um, (laughs) You know, it's it's winter time out here where we're at, but uh, I'm feeling good. Yeah, and it's always easier to push through when the 49ers win, right? Like, it's not, it's definitely not as easy to do this if we were here, unfortunately, talking about a 49er loss. But we have some narratives to talk about. We have the game to talk about. We have a lot to actually discuss because there is much to discuss, as always, with the 49ers. But first of all, Steph, this ridiculous stat, well, not a ridiculous stat. It's not a ridiculous stat. It's a stat, but it's been harped upon about mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan not being able to win games when trailing at halftime. Funny thing about that is, four of the last six times that he's trailed, he's found a way to win. It's funny how that's not spoken about, but everybody wants to go run back at the other thing. Hands up the Drewski meme. Um, Steph, what do you think about but, uh, Kyle Shanahan busting narratives? Narratives, stats, records, whatever you want to call them, like they're meant to be broken, right? And so I think the 49ers are, of course – trending in the right direction i feel like in terms of their offense in terms of the whole team really because honestly for me if if you were to ask me well why do you think they've been able to accomplish this i I think it it all comes down to you know D'Amico ryan's actually and what he's been able to do on the defensive side of the ball the second half adjustments have kind of become a bit of a staple for this team now where, yeah, I think at first, even for me, you know, at the beginning of games, when you see the 49ers give up a score early because they have been right. Like in the last few games, you're like, Oh God, like not, not again. Um, But you got to stay patient. You know, I do realize that now as well. And let's not try to fire D'Amico Ryan's, you know, in the first half, Let's let him make his adjustments. He's been very great at that in the last few games. And so, yeah, I, I think that's really allowed the offense. It, it's afforded them opportunities in, in the second half to then, you know, put some points on the board. And even if it's a field goal, like that should be enough uh, to win because D'Amico Ryans is holding uh, opposing offenses so well in the second half. Yeah, trends are trends until they're not. And the only way to buck the trend is to win. The funny thing is, is those the loudest about it have completely forgotten about this trend and also have let the, left this part out of it. And yeah, wait, Steph, do you mean to tell me that 49ers Twitter needs to chill out? Because I saw a lot of that. And it's been back-to-back weeks of this, right? Oh, well, D'Amico's not getting a head coaching job. Oh, well, what about this vaunted defense? Yeah, well, it's one drive. Calm down. Maybe stop tweeting your emotions during the game. I get it. Passions are hot. You're upset. But let's not let that overweigh logic, right? And then also, when you look at that first drive, largely on the back of two coverage busts. And and so that wasn't necessarily something that schematically was going wrong. Dre Greenlaw's out of position. Talano Hufanga's out of position. Boom, boom, touchdown. And, and Justin Herbert made them pay. That was it, though. And in the second half, the 49ers in back-to-back weeks have allowed less than 100 total yards combined. I don't care if you do that against a high school team. I don't care if you do that against a college team. It almost seems like offenses have to try 
to gain those few yards, that little amount of yards, because that's not easy. So, sure, you want to point to the fact that the Chargers were heavily banged up? Sure, they were. You want to point to the fact that the Rams don't have any weapons? Sure, they are. But that is still extremely hard to do, and D'Amico Ryans definitely deserves his flowers. So, yeah, guys, maybe hold off on the tweets. That's that's why there's this whole old takes exposed, uh, you know, account right there, like that uh, that is there for, for everybody to go back to. You don't want to end up on those. So just, you know, like the great Herm Edwards said, don't press send sometimes. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I think the, the larger talking point right now has a lot to do with the offense, and it has to do with the offense in terms of red zone efficiency, touches, carries, splits, all that stuff. I want to talk about the Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell carry split, right? Because it has a lot of people in arms. To be fair, the people that are up in arms are fantasy football players. They're not fans of the 49ers. Because if you're a fan of the 49ers, I don't give a damn who gets the amount of touches. And don't tell me, oh, you traded all of these picks for Christian McCaffrey and you're not using him. I don't care about that. The idea for Christian McCaffrey to be here is for him to be available in January. And those same people would be crying if Christian McCaffrey touched the ball 30 times and you're running him into the ground. There's no middle ground sometimes with 49ers fans, guys. I don't care who gets the ball. I don't care who gets the ball, okay? If Elijah Mitchell touches it more than Christian McCaffrey and it results in a dub, good. If it ends up the other way and it and results in a dub, good. Steph, what's your take on the Christian McCaffrey-Elijah Mitchell carry split? I, I pretty much have the same thoughts as you where it's like, okay, both of these guys are on my team. And let's be honest, Elijah Mitchell looked great out there in his first game back uh, from IR, which – you know, shouldn't surprise a lot of people because he was actually running very well. Kyle Shanahan loves him, you know, even before they traded for Christian McCaffrey, before he got hurt, right? So um, I don't think his involvement should really surprise anyone. Uh, Mitchell, 18 carries for 89 yards. He had 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, on the other hand, had the 14 carries of uh, good for 2.7 yards per carry but he also had four catches for 39 yards which we know like that's kind of the differentiator between the two of them like McCaffrey's gonna get more of those opportunities in the past game than Elijah Mitchell Elijah Mitchell I believe only had um, one reception and I think that went for like negative one yard so it's gonna be a pretty even split and like if you look at teams of the past you know even when Raheem Mostert was out here they they like to have a RB1A and an RB1 one B right. I mean, and I think for two players who have dealt with injuries in their past and for so many fans who are like, why, why would you trade for Christian McCaffrey? If he has these, all these injuries, why would you trade for him when we have another running back and Elijah Mitchell, that's always hurt too. Keeping these guys fresh is important. And the way you're going to be able to do that is if, they can spell each other of all these carries if they can split their time. And so, yes, Jay, you mentioned how much the 49ers gave up for Christian McCaffrey. A way to protect that investment is to keep him healthy. <laughs> and so, again, this is a way to do that. And you can't be too mad because, like I said, Elijah Mitchell as well is – he played well. He's he's running well from what we saw. So it still means success for this offense. You know, it's not like they're taking away carries for uh, from Christian McCaffrey for a running back that's not as effective, right? So it was price, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. So I'm not mad at it at all. Nor should fans be. 
And the other thing is Christian McCaffrey's not here just for one year. You have to make him be available later on for everybody to be uh, happy with this investment as well, too. And the other thing is a lot of people forget Kyle Shanahan doesn't care. It's about hot hand. And if he's going through the game and he sees that Elijah Mitchell is being more effective than Christian McCaffrey, he's not going to say, well, let's just give Christian McCaffrey the ball because we traded like this game in this specific situation. Elijah Mitchell was running better. And he loves his hot hand. He doesn't care about draft capital, any of that, or like it was about winning the game. And that's what he stuck to. A lot of fans seem to forget that. And then it goes back to the whole thing because we can segue into, you know, the wide receivers and, and how they're, there's so many weapons, so many weapons. Somebody's going to be left out in the cold. So for fantasy football purposes, this is what you're going to have to deal with if you are a manager of Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, uh, McCaffrey, Mitchell. You're just going to have to deal with this because there's only one football and there's only so many places where the ball can go. And especially in such a run heavy offense, this is just what it's going to be. Are you guys interested in who gets the most touches and getting guys the ball? Or are you interested in wins? I think if you're not playing fantasy football, it should just be about the wins. So um, Brandon Ayuk, 80 yards again. I believe this is his fourth straight game of this. So now, um, you know, the, the discussion should go from, you know, again, we I think we kind of talk, talked about the touches, the red zone efficiency, right? And obviously I'm bringing up Brandon Ayuk because he had a drop in the red zone. Um, it felt like it was a good throw. If you get your hands on it, you got to catch it. I think Brandon Ayuk was, was pretty upset with himself posting on his IG story about it. Steph, that's probably my biggest complaint or worry, not complaint, worry, right? You had a week out of the bye to figure out how you were going to get this going with everybody. And it still feels like Kyle Shanahan used this game to try to figure that out along the way. And in the red zone, again, it works this week. Your defense did enough, but you can't keep taking field goals. What are your thoughts on the red zone efficiency? I agree. I think that's like the frustrating part, right? Because, yes, they scored 22 points. And as Matt Mayoko pointed out like that's kind of been their average this season and for you to be able to score 22 points and win in most cases it's because the defense is doing well on the other side as well and they're you know they're able to give you those opportunities and not allowing too many points um but yeah like obviously it's frustrating and for after what we saw against the Rams and Coming out of the bye week, I think we as fans were kind of expecting a little bit more, right? And I think that's fair. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm of course I'm happy about the win, you know. It's a fair criticism. I'm and I'm I'm glad that, you know, they kind of came alive in, in the second half. You know, they had the big third down conversions. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I'm still there's still something missing because with all of this talent on this roster arguably one of the most talented offenses just in terms of like talent on paper right that the nfl has like if i'm being honest it's probably it could be top three you know in terms of just talent alone and we're just not seeing like the production uh or like the efficiency that should match right and so that's the frustrating part and i i beg the question and this was early in the first half, right? What does this team work on in, in, during the bye week? And I think that's a fair question as well, because, you know, if we just continue to see the same things, really, then it gets a little frustrating. It gets a little old. And at a certain point, 
you have to wonder, are opposing defenses going to try to, you know, take advantage of what they see, you not being able to figure something out? For example, uh, the Chargers focused on Christian McCaffrey a lot, which I thought was a that was a good game plan. And I think even the Chargers coach said, like, that was as good of a game plan as I've ever (laughs) had. Um, I actually thought that was a good strategy on their part because seeing how involved he was against the Rams kind of forced the 49ers back to, okay, let's try to get all these other guys involved. You mentioned Brandon Ayuk. I, I thought he did have a good game. And, yeah, if, if he did have that touchdown, we would be talking about the game probably a little bit differently. Like, we probably wouldn't be talking about the red zone efficiency. But how many times have we seen this happen where, like, they – they were close, so we can't judge them, right? Like, no, if it happens too many times, like, yeah, we're going to continue to judge them because they should be getting these points on the board. And at the end of the day, as with many things, it comes down to the coaching of it. I do think that there's two positive ways to spin the way that this offense is looking right now. One is there's eight more weeks for them to figure this out. So there's a lot of fans that are talking about, well, this offense can't get it done in the playoffs. Well, they don't have a playoff game next week. They've got eight more weeks. So that's the good news. Like, if we're going to be talking about a playoff run, don't talk to me about that in week 10. Let's talk about that in week 18 when you actually have to play a playoff game in the next week, right? So I don't understand why that's a discussion right now. Like, you're trying to project something that still has eight weeks that can be fixed. And then the other positive thing is, I like the fact that when things aren't going right, the 49ers find a way to scratch and claw and get a win. This is the NFL. Those guys on that other side get paid too. I don't care who's on the other side, whether they're banged up, whether they're not. Those guys play for pride. Those coaches game plan that entire time. Guys put their blood, sweat, and tears into this. The games don't go always the way that you think they will. They just won't. And the good teams find a way to win the game. Bad teams find a way to lose that game, and then you're sitting there like, well, this and this went wrong. Give me the ugly win over the pretty loss any day of the week, right? So we talked about the red zone efficiency. (sighs) Part of that, and we should probably stay there, part of that kind of leads us to a discussion about a player who is much discussed everywhere, not just 49ers Twitter land, pretty much everywhere. I mean, Shannon Sharp even tweeted about him, which was pretty shocking, right? Like it almost kind of confirmed a lot of people's beliefs about the player, but it's Mike McGlinchey. So we talked about the red zone. Elijah Mitchell stumbles a little bit, and that probably cost him the touchdown. He probably could have walked in from there, but... If you look at the the play, Michael Glinchy gets tossed aside, like not even like like it was really bad. Like he didn't even really get hands. <sighs> Mike McGlinchy is such a talking point right now. And I think that my biggest complaint, aside from obviously, you know, the missed blocks at, at, at the inopportune times. I think Mike McGlinchy is hearing it all too much now. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying that this is the reason that these things are happening, but this can't help. And I want to point to something that he said in the middle of the week before the game about, well, I know 49ers fans wanted Derwin James. Okay, so you're listening to 49ers fans. Okay, strike one. Never listen to 49ers. No, never, 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 never. Get all, like, like, strike two is, well, I know that I am socks and underwears, alluding to the Christmas present that was the draft pick for him. Okay, that means your confidence is down. So that's strike two. Joe Staley's talked about it. He needs to block out all the noise. My message to you, Mike McGlinchey, before I pass it to Steph, my message to you, I don't know how you can fix this because I'm not an offensive line guru. What I do know is 
take the phone and put it in a blender and tell your friends and your family to stop sending you any sort of negative things that are out there. Stop paying attention to it, internalize, and try to figure out how to get yourself out of this. Social media, if it is not good for you, and this is a life lesson for anybody, if it is not good for you, if it is not productive, if it is not healthy for you, cut it off, get rid of it. Mike McGlinchey, I implore you, take the phone, put it in a blender, have people call a landline if they need to get to you, and internalize and look at yourself and try to figure this out. I have been very much on the side of, hey, I... I don't think it's as bad as you guys think. Now it's getting harder and harder now to actually defend. Steph, I'm sorry for going off on a little rant there. <laughs> no, um, I'm with you. I mean, so so you believe that because he's listening to the noise, that's like impacting his confidence a little bit, right? I don't know if it is. I just know he's listening to it. I and just it, know it, it doesn't help, right? Right. Like, of course it doesn't help. I, I don't know if it's affecting him, but the fact that he's pointing out at the fact that he knows 49ers fans wanted Derwin James, he knows that they're not happy with him being there. And Joe Staley has mentioned he needs to block out the noise. Take the phone and put it in a blender, dude. I You don't look at it. Go to work. Come home. Look at your playbook. Watch your film. Go to work. Come home. It is very easy right now to be locked in on the NFL season. Take the phone and put it away, please. Yeah, it definitely doesn't help. I, I, yeah, I don't know if that's the issue. I honestly don't know what the issue is with Mike McGlinchey. Like, I, I don't know if it's, you know, him coming back from the injury this season. I mean, that that could have an impact. And I'm not trying to defend him. I'm also not trying to throw him under the bus. You know, right. like it, it's just like it, it is what it is right now. And yeah, people are gonna notice the really bad plays, especially when when it's on some important plays when. You know, if the 49ers don't score or if it's a play where, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo sees some pressure and he has to, like, you know, force a errant throw or something like that. You know, people are going to notice those things, um, you know, and, and they won't notice the good plays. I mean, PFF had him giving up just one pressure in one hurry. Um, and I haven't watched all 22 yet, so I don't know how accurate that is but you know given what people were saying about him like I was a little surprised to see that and I've always known that his strength is really the run plays and that's something or the run blocking and that's really what 49ers value the most so when people are like why is he still here why is he still starting you know quite frankly he still is their best option at the moment like they could do better maybe in the offseason you know, maybe, and I'm sure the 49ers will look to explore better options. But as of right now, he is who they have, and they don't have anyone better. No, his backup is not going to be better. He can't um, be benched. No, he's not going to be benched. And and that's what I'm saying. Like, it is what it is. Like, we just, we just got to work with what we have. And I think we're just going to continue to hear more noise about McGlinchey for the rest of the season, because at this point, like he has a target on his back. And mm -hmm. like, once you have that as a player, it's unfortunate, but you know, that's what anytime they see you make a mistake, fans are going to run to Twitter and be mm -hmm. like, Oh, look what Mike McGlinchey did mm -hmm. to confirm their priors. Right. Um, But it is what it is again. Like I'm past the point of being able to defend him, but I also, I also respect him enough that I'm not going to, you know, pile it on. So 
yeah, at the end of the day, I think the 49ers could just simply improve in the offseason, and let's just leave it at that. Yeah, and I do want to point to two other things that let me know that social media is a part of the equation. Let's just say that. I don't want to say part of the problem or anything like that. John Lynch says, I think he's a victim of social media. Okay, so John Lynch notices that stuff too as well, right? And he does make a good point. If Mike McGlinchey pancakes somebody, nobody's running to cut that clip on all 22 and post it. It's the ones that he whiffs, okay? And then the infamous still here tweet. Dude, if you're struggling and then you have a good game and you run to social media still here, you're paying attention to it. Please, Mike, I implore you for the last time, take the phone, put it in the blender, stop listening to social media, get in your bag and look in yourself, look inside and fix yourself, buddy. Let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Steph, a lot of people have wide-ranging opinions on Jimmy Garoppolo's play in terms of how they deemed it. Some would say, oh, it was whatever. Oh, he was fine. Some would say he was very good. Steph, I'll tell you where he was very great. Third down. On third down in this game. And props to Jawan Jennings, man. It sounds like Jawan mm-hmm. Jennings has heard all this OBJ stuff and was like, ho, 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 ho. Like, hey, hey, like, chill out. Like, I'm still here as well, too. I mean, not in that same Michael Glitchy way. But, yeah, I really, really do think that Jimmy Garoppolo on third down was nails, man. I do think that. Like, he had that great – the one catch to George Kittle was on third down where he worked his progressions, got the ball there. Jawan Jennings helped a ton. Steph, Jimmy is himmy. On third down, huh? <laughs> Himothy. Himothy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, third down has kind of always been something that he's been good at. I mean, when the team as a whole is struggling on third down, then yeah, obviously like that that hurts Jimmy as well. But I feel like historically with the 49ers this time here, he has been very solid. And the 49ers, there were nine to seventeen on third downs. Uh, against the Chargers, I was surprised they had 17 chances at that. I mean, that feels I'm like surprised a lot. they missed on eight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I think a lot of those probably came in the in the first half because in the second half, um, and in particular the the uh the drives in which they scored on, uh, there were many third down conversions, some key third down conversions. You mentioned Jawan Jennings who had a couple. Uh, the one to was it was the one to Ray Ray McLeod a third down? That might have been on second down, but that I don't was think so, but an amazing play. I don't play. think so, but we should – I don't remember that, but we should definitely have a discussion on whether that's a top something Jimmy Garoppolo throw because, my goodness, yeah. man, that, that looked like 2017 on the run, on, you know, improv. Like, wow, let's go, that Jimmy. Was, that was vintage 2017 Jimmy right there. I, I like that comparison. But, yeah, Ayuk had one as well, and so, you know – Yes, you give credit to Jimmy. He he did he did great, and also good job on the receivers for actually catching those passes, right? Because <laughs> in the past, it's been like wow, like Jimmy threw a dart and they just dropped it, and now mm-hmm. we got a punt, and so it's all starting to click. It's all starting mm-hmm. to come together for some of these guys, and so I I think that's great. Yes, credit to Juwan Jennings. He's he has been that that third down. Um, it's just so reliable on third down and he continues to be that. And so I'm surprised, honestly, that defenses don't focus on him a little bit more on these mm-hmm. third downs because that's where Jimmy wants to go. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's so reliable, similar to like Kendrick Bourne and uh, how he was in Jimmy Garoppolo's 10 two when he does not throw a touchdown pass in his career. 
are you surprised by that, Jay? Because, like, what do you think that means? Nothing. I mean, okay, okay. I, I think <laughs> that the fair. people, the the people that are the loudest against Jimmy Garoppolo are using that against him. But if he doesn't throw one and he sneaks one in, I don't care. Six is six. Again, it, it's all about what people want to believe and want to push with these narratives. Oh, he didn't throw a touchdown pass at 10 and 2. But what if he had quarterback sneak touchdowns on three right. of those and four of those? Mm-hmm. It's all, Six is six. Guys always try to find a way to disparage Jimmy Garoppolo even after wins. Funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, man. I don't care whether he throws it, runs it, kicks it through the upper. I don't care. Touchdowns are touchdowns. Whether he threw a touchdown pass does not correlate to them, you know, having success. You know, there's been games where he's thrown multiple touchdown passes and they've lost. So, again, like, this is just a number that people want to throw out there, and mostly it's for the people that want to knock Jimmy down for whatever reason, even though, again, I think he played a great game. Speaking of quarterback sneaks, Kyle Shanahan, I have a little bit of a rant to go on on fourth down here, man. If it's fourth and one, why on earth are you not just doing quarterback sneak, quarterback sneak, quarterback sneak? The first time that Jimmy Garoppolo missed was on third down in this game, right? And then he converted Mm -hmm. it on fourth down. My biggest Kyle Shanahan complaint is aggressiveness on fourth down. Mm -hmm. I understand the thought process, right? Take your three points. Cool. You know, you got your defense. Okay. Um, Take your three points. Make them go down the field. I would say... You have a chance to completely end this game and not worry about your defense or anything like that. So nothing crazy would happen. You punch that thing in on fourth down and then you make them. If they don't score, you still have to make them go 99 yards. Right. So like sometimes, Kyle, and it doesn't have to be every time. Right. Because there is negatives to just guys going willy nilly fourth down. Right. Like, you know, the, yeah. the guy on the other sideline from Kyle Shanahan in this game could tell you better than I could show you or anything like that. But it's sometimes there is the analytics. And then there's coaching feel, right? The analytics and the book says do this, but coaching feel has to come into it too. So if you feel that you have the advantage and you see the game flow and you see how your guys are executing and you feel like you've got it, but the book says it's like a 47% chance as opposed to the 53% chance, which is what makes you feel better, which is 50-50, right? It's got to be a little bit of give and take. So if I had a complaint about Kyle Shanahan, this is my biggest criticism the fourth down thing. It's just, it's always, it's always just, oh, well, here comes Robbie gold. Like, you know, like it's for me, I would like to see some more aggressiveness there. I would like to see some different decisions being made there, especially when you're that close to the goal line. Like the, the message that you send to that other team is we're going to do whatever we want. You can't stop us. You know? So again, I understand your defense is playing very well. I get that portion and it doesn't come to bite them. I just, in future games, in games, when they get big, a bit bigger, I would like to see him take control, chokehold this game, and just put it away. That would be the best way I could put it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's one of the things, right? And to me, that kind of comes down to the red zone efficiency as well because you're you're settling for the field goal instead of punching it in when you're right there, right? And so had – if – Kyle Shanahan was just a little more aggressive in the red zone. And yes, it's fourth and one or, you know, fourth and short and you went for it and you got it. That would probably improve your red zone numbers as well, because more often than not, you're probably going to be able to score if you're able to convert after the fourth down. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. And so like, I'm, I'm thinking about the game yesterday that, that we saw against the commanders and the Eagles because of commanders credit to Ron Rivera he was actually aggressive on fourth down as well and we saw them uh you know be able to 
get that win, that big win against the Eagles. And so just little things, right? Like it doesn't have to be every single time, you know, but there are situations where going for it on fourth down are not the right thing, right? It's all situational. But there are those instances where, to your point, Jay, if you get it, you could put this game away. And at the very end of that game against the Chargers, it was only a three-point game. You know, and and credit, again, to the defense for holding the Chargers to just 52 yards in, in the second half. Um, and I, I also think that's part of the reason. It's almost like this defense and D'Amico Ryans is too good to a fault because at this point, Kyle Shanahan leans on them almost too heavily, like where he's like, I, I don't need to to get seven here. I don't need to get six because my defense is going to take care of it. I could just go out there and get three and we're good. You know, like to me, that's what his decision-making and the lack of aggression screams to me, you know. And he he could be true. I mean, he could be right. Like in this game, that ended up being true. Uh, Teleno Ufunga was able to get that game-sealing interception uh, and the defense got some pressure on Herbert there to force that throw. But why do you leave it to to chance like that? You know, if you have control over your own destiny, your offense's destiny, and you know them being able to get more points on the board and putting pressure, putting pressure on opposing defenses as well. Have have opposing defenses fear us? You know what I mean? And. Yes, I, I have the same exact thoughts that he needs to be more aggressive. But quite honestly, I don't know if we see that change anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's like the ghost of Mike Shanahan and all the old school coaches. you got to take the three points and make them earn it on the other side. Yeah, the game's moving in a different way a little bit. So for, for our genius, I need you to you know be a little bit forward thinking just a little bit more. Some other people I wanted to highlight in this game that I feel like are not getting enough love. Aaron Banks is downright dominant. I mean, I don't think he's allowed a sack this entire time. Charles Amenahue is playing himself into a bag. 49ers are going to have to sign that man. I thought D'Amador Lenore did a great job in this game as well in his first start, who it looks like he's going to be the guy going forward. Fred Warner is rounding into all pro shape. These are all good things. And then that Nick Bosa guy is pretty good. You know, like he had like four quarterback hits and he got a sack. Um, so, yeah, just some other things to highlight with this. Um the one thing I'll ask you before we kind of, you know, semi-preview the, the Mexico City game on Monday. The whole Jimmy Ward playing down in the slot thing. Credit to Jimmy Ward. He's doing what the team is asking, but clearly he doesn't like it, right? Like he said so as much. And then his body language kind of lets you know on the field a little bit. And it's not that he, I'm not saying that he's quitting or anything like that. You can just tell he's uncomfortable, right? And I think what people are forgetting is because Jimmy Ward comes down in the slot occasionally when he's up at that free safety spot it was usually against tight ends and keeping them like slot receivers and slot cornerbacks have problems with each other slot corners have tr trouble with wide receivers jimmy Ward's not a slot corner he's just not i would like to see him up at the free safety spot no disrespect to Deshaun gibson who i think has played very well um in in this time and i think that's what's kind of put the 49ers in the spot where they want to play jimmy ward there and see but he's clearly playing out of position. Steph, thoughts on Jimmy Ward? I just, I just feel like he just looks uncomfortable. Like he just doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be there. And 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 he'll still do it. I'm not saying that he's he's quitting or anything like that. Like don't don't misconstrue that. It's just he looks uncomfortable. He definitely does. And you know, as you mentioned, he has voiced his opinion on it. And we know that's not his natural position. Yes, he can play it. Yes, he can play it at 
obviously a better level than the 49ers think Samuel Womack could play it at the moment, right? For whatever reason. By the way, Jimmy Ward in the slot giving up 16 uh, receptions on 16 targets. So, but again, you know, maybe it's more of a reflection of how they're feeling about Womack right now. I'm not really sure, but I will say this. I do feel, and it is unfortunate, I do feel that, you know, the injury to Jason Ferret, with Verrett having potentially been able to come back, I feel like that would have opened up the opportunity and the flexibility to move Jimmy Ward back uh, to safety because it, it would have just mo- moved everything around. Lenore could have worked in the Went slot. Right back to slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so now with that off the table, I think, think it just means we're just gonna have to see jimmy ward continue to play in the slot unfortunately because like i said for whatever reason it seems like the team just doesn't trust samuel womack you know so much with that uh role at the moment that could change right i mean we we don't know what happens in practice he can he can show out just like lenore did right he was able to get some extra opportunities even before um you know injuries happened so who knows? But as of right now, it seems that we're going to have to continue to see Jimmy Ward playing there. Steph, I said we were going to talk about Mexico City, but I forgot to talk about probably the two biggest talking points out of this game. And it doesn't have anything to do with the 49ers offense or defense. It actually has to do with the referees. So Drake Greenlaw gets ejected. And look, yeah, I've been very vocal. I can't believe vocal. we forgot to talk about that. Right. I... I, I <laughs> I have been very vocal with the fact that Dre Greenlaw needs to dial it back a little bit, right? He, his overaggressiveness at times leads to penalties. This time, I am not going to blame him at all. Penalty? Sure. Ejection? Come on, man. Come on, man. What happened in this play? And I know you were at the game, Steph. So I'm going to fill you in on what was going on in the broadcast because, you know, we all can't, you know, I, I don't have enough money to get out to the Bay or anything like that. Like, those tickets are, are wild expensive. <laughs> but... They the, the officiating crew, they talked about this, and then they come out of the, the commercial break, and they talked about it some more. And then the rules analyst, who we're not done talking about him either. I've got I've to bring something to you. I don't know if you – because, again, you didn't get to hear the broadcast because there was another play that was completely overblown, which is still a talking point. Um, he's talking about, oh, well, Troy Vincent came down and said, well, that, that he should be ejected. Almost like, hey, not me. Or, hey, not him. Hey, not them. Like, you know, like everybody was tossing blame aside, like around for it. That ejection was absolutely bogus, man. I don't see how you can put that in. People are even hinting, well, is there going to be a suspension? Absolutely not. Why? First of all, you shouldn't have been ejected. Second of all, there's no way that's a suspension. And I think Jimmy Ward talked about it and said, well, if you're a quarterback and you're a runner, don't run the ball. Don't run the ball. Like, and he just said, that's what it is. Like, we just, you know, like, that's it. He goes, I don't have any sympathy. Don't run the ball. Steph, you were in the building. Uh, there must have been a lot of four-letter words flying from the stands from there. <laughs> there was a lot of confusion for sure because, uh, like, we were all pumped for that play when we saw it because it's like, oh, like, you were able to, you know, get it. Not that I'm cheering on getting a hit, right? It, it, it's more so, like, Herbert's going to scramble and you were able to stop him. Like, that's kind of, from my perspective, we were all very pumped to see that. And so – to see the flag get thrown, it's like, what, really? Like, everyone was just very confused. But at the same time, like, there's some things that you don't really see. Like, I didn't see, for example, the helmet-to-helmet hit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what 
um, spurred the flag getting thrown. That I understand because, again, like you mentioned the fact, Drake Greenlaw this is not his first time getting called for like personal fouls and things like that. So I think his past history probably does not help him there. So maybe that's why they threw the flag. But again, to eject him was absolutely bogus. That was ridiculous. And e- yes, everyone was confused. Everyone was angry. It it didn't seem to make any sense. And it almost, to me, it felt like the NFL wanting to make an example out of uh, the hit, right? And, and yeah. for them to be able to say, well, we care about player safety. And then they had Herbert go into the blue tent too. So like on both ends, it was like, we, you know, we care about player safety. The like, two thing, the two thing has really changed the the rules it, on this. I unfortunately, you know, it has, and I get it. Like, I'm I'm pro player safety as well. But mm-hmm. when you do that, and then in the same breath, you're telling players that you're not going to move off of turf fields. Do you really care about player safety? So nope. uh, that's a whole nother story, and I'm mm-hmm. a digress on that, but. You know what I mean? It it just felt like they were they were wanting to make an example out of Greenlaw, it, it, and because it was prime time, it's like they wanted to show everyone we we care about player safety. Sure, you do. I love I love that uh, impression because that's that's how I imagine them saying it. And yeah, they <laughs> definitely don't. All right, there was a punt down by the one. Mitch Wisnowski's one good punt of the night was actually downed at the one. Okay. Seems like a simple play, right, Steph? Down to the yes. one, whistle blows. Okay. Yep. This became such a talking point now in this game. Chris Collinsworth, who is, let me just say, big fan of his voice, love him doing the games, clearly has a bias against the 49ers because they beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Like, he clearly does, okay? He starts bringing up, that's a touchback! That's a touchback! Because the whistle blew, and then he fell into the end zone. Well, let me ask you this question. If the whistle's blown, the play's dead. And if it's not, right. and Samuel Womack's holding the ball and the game's over and he walks into the end zone with it, is it a touchback then? Like, the, the whole idea of this rule, um, you know, it was it was Chris Collinsworth to start. They bring in the rules analysts after that, and the both of them are screaming, it's a touchback, it's a touchback. Dude, at what point? It's absolutely blown dead. So that means what? he can't ever walk that ball back into there into the the end zone at all after like again i and then when they and then the, the funny thing is the rules analyst goes on twitter and has to double down on this because the reading of the rule states that but the whistle blew when does the right. play end like when is it over he's standing there what is he supposed to do like is is this like this is again one of these rules that probably should be tweaked now because now this has been such a talking point now at this point they'll probably go to the rules committee and figure this out and also it's not a clear definition of it remember like a lot of people still don't know what a catch is like what's completing the process completing the process is handing the ball to the ref and going to sit down and if you do that then i think you completed the process like again it was such a large talking point i know you were at the game but they literally spent five to ten minutes uh, it's uh, Terry McCauley and and Chris Collinsworth going back and forth, both agreeing that it was a touchback. And and you're I'm watching the game and I can't even focus on what's going on in the game because they're still arguing about it. 
Chris Collinsworth has a damn bias against the 49ers, man. He does he like he loves it when they like don't win and stuff like that. Like, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out to you because you were there, right? And, and you're in the stands. Yeah. Simple enough. Sing, we had no enough. idea. I had yeah. no idea because like it, it the the whistle blew. The whistle blew to me, the the play's dead. And so we move on, right? Like to me, it was just a routine, like punt. And so yeah, that was that was very strange. And I'm surprised they're still arguing about it because they must be listening or they must be watching the video back on mute, right? Because like if you hear the whistle blow, that's it. And I honestly don't even think the rule needs to be tweaked because there's nothing wrong with the rule itself. I think it's more so just like the knowing that it. if the whistle blows, that's dead and that's why the refs didn't call it because they knew they blew the whistle so it that one's a little baffling some sometimes people just want to uh complain just to complain or like you know have something be called just to have it be called um but no that that was the that was the right decision to not call it anything because there there was no penalty there I just thought it was silly and I thought I would bring it up, especially, you know, this is like kind of me giving silly. you the news on this because it just, it yeah. was something that I couldn't believe that they keep talking about. Like even people were just tweeting, like, why are they still talking about this? It's over. Like they're on, it should have been a touchback. It's like, damn, stop crying, dude. Like the charges didn't have a problem with it. You didn't see the charges argue one second about anything about that, but yet you guys are going on and on about it. Either way, the 49ers are on to Mexico city for a Monday night football game, back-to-back primetime games. Huh? Now, the 49ers have, and this is something I'll always give Kyle Shanahan credit for, about road trips and, and mitigating the travel and, and trying to acclimate them. They're going to be traveling in Colorado, and they're going to be practicing in Colorado, which has a higher elevation because, as we know, Mexico City has elevation, and, you know, that is something that's a bit of a difference, right? Like, you know, you, you're, the air is different. You know, you the, your sleep is different. All of those things are different. So credit to them. Any quick thoughts real quick on what the Cardinals – bring and the Cardinals are a mess man I mean you Cardinals have to watch that hard anything, I said, they're, they're they're really a mess at this point man but they found a way to beat the Rams in the battle of the backup quarterbacks so ha you just got Colt McCoy and this, it's the <laughs> jokes on you um but the Cardinals are they cooked is this like a game where the 49ers have a chance to like really just bury them and just end their season I think they do right and I think they should anything less to me would be a disappointment kind of right yeah, you're always happy with a win, but the Cardinals are in shambles right now. Zach Ertz out for the season now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler Murray is still kind of up in the air with his his hamstring injury, and I don't know if like going into altitude will like impact that at all. Um, but sometimes hamstrings could be multi-week injuries, so we'll just have to keep an eye on that one if he's able to play. But, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the Cardinals are kind of just done right now mm-hmm. and they, they don't have much left to fight for and I feel like they know it right like they, mm-hmm. they kind of got to know it at this point and yeah the, the 49ers they have to impose their will on this one and I think it's very smart for them to you know spend a few days in high altitude to acclimate themselves it's not quite as um high as Mexico City you know in Colorado Springs but Still, just to just to get your body acclimated to it, I think will go a long way in the game because honestly, when they played out here in in Denver 
And and I was at that game. The defense looked gassed. They looked gassed. And I think that's part of the re- like you kind of saw it at the end of that game, like how that kind of impacted uh them. And so to get used to it now, I think it it's a big thing. And and yeah, I think it's very smart that they're they're trying to do that now. Yeah, the Cardinals are in trouble. I mean, they literally just cut Eno Benjamin, which is completely baffling at this point. Like, so, I have yeah. no I have no grasp on what they're doing. And if anybody watched Hard Knocks, Cliff Kingsbury after they after before they lost to Seattle is talking about, well, we beat Seattle. We're going to be playing for first place uh, in Mexico City on Monday night. And it's like, dude, this is a week-to-week league. You can tell that they're just not locked in right now. Hard Knocks has been very entertaining at this point. Speaking of the Seattle Seahawks, the 49ers, really what's in front of them is this. Not only getting rid of the Arizona Cardinals, right, but staying undefeated in the division. You can be 4-0, and, and you can have a share of first place going into the next week. I think that that is really important. Any conference win is important, but staying undefeated in the division will help. As it seems like Thursday, it's a collision course for Thursday night football in Seattle being the winner of that game is probably going to go on to win the division. As you know, Seattle lost in Munich. We got that one wrong. Happy to have that one wrong. Happy to have that one wrong. Um, but yeah, Seattle's Seattle's coming back to earth a little bit, and their schedule is getting a lot tougher now at this point. Still have a game with the Chiefs. The Jets are pretty good. You know, obviously the 49ers. So yeah, the 49ers have a chance to not only bury the Cardinals, but actually take over the division again and stay undefeated in the division. That should wrap it up for us. Make sure you subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network wherever you get your audio podcast. Make sure you follow Steph on Twitter at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me at Jason Aponte2103. Make sure you leave that five-star review so we can read it on here for Steph and for Jay. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>